Stand Up with Pete Dominic. You're listening to a radio bumper for a show. Now some music, then talking. All right, welcome back to Stand Up. As, as I talked about and have been promoting, I'm very excited about our next guest. He is. I spent the last two weeks with him in uh, on my vacation, or really with his book that he uh, has written and that we're going to be talking about. So I'm very excited and a little bit nervous and actually emotional to have him in here because I've been following him and reading him and talking about his work for a long time on this program. And uh, and, and frankly, his, his teachings have really changed my life, my wife's life, and our family's life. And uh, you've heard that on the program, and now you're going to hear uh, from one of the uh, influences of those changes, of that shift that I've talked about so often. He's one of the most successful comedy movie directors ever. And after directing uh, many of uh, Jim Carrey's movies, like Ace Ventura, Nutty Professor, which wasn't a Jim Carrey, but Liar Liar, and uh, one of my favorites, Patch Adams and uh, Bruce Almighty, he had a life-changing experience, which is uh, covered in the 2011 documentary I Am, which I have mentioned so many times for you to read, for you to watch. His new book is Life's Operating Manual with the fear and truth dialogues that are unbelievable. You've got to get this book, Life's Operating Manual. Really excited to have Tom Shadiak here. Tom, thank you so much for coming in. Man, happy to be here. Thanks, Um, brother. Spent two weeks with me, huh? How was our vacation? So weird, man, because this book is so so deep and and, and from from so much of your core that I really felt like I was with you. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's why I made the movie I am because so much of that was in me and I wanted to share it, and then I got to express some of it with I am that film you talked about the doc, and then I just people said how about your voice because I used the voice of others Tom Hartman and Desmond Tutu, and I just I wanted to write this and just share some thoughts that were just in a it. moment on I am the two questions that you that you ask are what in that movie what's wrong with the world and what can we do about it but the cool thing is is what's wrong with the world is the negative, and we end up finding out what's right with the world. It was really a journey about how we are hardwired for good and how we are getting there. And you talked to so many unbelievable people, many of which we've reached out to and had on the program. Yeah, and, and, and Tom Hartman, one of both yeah, of yeah, our of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and they give so many answers that you, and, and so much of this, so much of what you say and what you teach and what you've learned is really counterintuitive, I find. It, it, it's, it's not what you think. Well, it's counterintuitive to our culture. I think it's yes. actually very innately intuitive in us, but our culture has taught us right. something different, and so it seems counterintuitive. So you, I, I, I tell people, you know, share the book and the ideas, and they look at me as if I'm insane. You know, there's a saying, a, a, a sane person in an insane world will always appear insane. So I look insane to a lot of people that are humming to this cultural paradigm. You're trying to unteach so much of what yeah. our culture has 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 taught us yeah. and especially yeah. in this book and the book is life's operating manual with the fear and truth dialogues and the fear and truth I, I again i read this book the entire time i was on vacation and i think the thing that i haven't read a book cover to cover and i interview authors all the time i don't think i don't think i've read one i mean i've read a lot of most of them but i couldn't put this down and one of the main reasons is because you introduce us to what you call two wolves inside us and they these two wolves are part of the book truth and fear explain why you you wrote the book the way you did and what truth and fear are. i didn't uh, plan on it that way i was writing a series of essays but as i wrote the essays i could hear the argument against the essays the dismissive argument which is fear yeah yeah that's really nice that sounds great but that's not realistic and a voice would pop up and say but wait a second let's look at that and that's what i call truth and so this dialogue broke out that is actually really challenging. It challenges the reader because that question that you have, 
yeah, but how does this apply to my life? Or again, that's unrealistic or Pollyanna. When you look at it, fear actually dissipates. It actually dissipates. So it really challenges people because you'll read an essay and then you'll have questions. And I believe that the fear represents the questions that most people will have. And the truth is a perspective on an answer. But it's also, from from what I've learned, a lot of, of, of what motivates us as human beings, and certainly in many ways as Americans, um, fear. Fear is, to many of us, to most of us, probably one of the strongest motivators, not every day, not every week, every from moment to moment. And, yeah. and you're really trying to unteach that, it seems, because it's you're saying not necessarily natural well i think truth is a much more powerful motivator when fear is a powerful motivator it's actually true in other words if it's true your fear is saying don't run across the freeway because you're going to get hit by a car that's actually true you know if there's a big lion and your fear kicks in that's actually true but the fear that we've been taught i'm going to starve if i follow my heart I can't do my passion. I can't live in my passion because I'll starve. When most people look at that, not everyone, but most people, that's not true. You can go live on your parents' couch, a friend's couch. You just have to humble yourself and say, I'm reinventing myself. And so I think fear is actually a, a, not a powerful motivator, but weak. Unless you have what I would call Emerson's perspective. Emerson said that fear teaches us exactly what not to do. So you always do that thing you're afraid to do. That was Emerson's basic admonition. So if you're afraid to do something, that's telling you exactly what you need to do. There's so many, uh, you mentioned Emerson, so many teachers that you quote, that you open every chapter with quotes from. Um, this this book is not Tom Shadyac's theories as much as it is your interpretation of so much of your experience and, and your, I would call the mentors, and now you being one of mine, um, how long have you been studying um, and, and learning about this? this a is long a, time. Your whole life? Yeah. Mo- you know, a lot of people see I am, and I had a bike accident where I almost died, and, and uh, that caused me to get over my fear of yeah. expressing my journey. Uh, but my journey had been going on a lot longer than that. I was, I, I've been reading, if you saw my library, um, nerd would be a word that would come to mind. I, I've I've read the saints, sages, mystics, philosophers. I've been reading science lately from quantum physics to cellular biology. And I realize that everybody's saying the same thing. That's sort of the big aha moment is when you look at everything from Lao Tzu, an ancient Eastern philosopher, to Jesus, to uh, some of the Sufi mystics in the Muslim faith. It's all saying the same thing. And now quantum physics is, of course, of course, uh, uh, reflecting that as well. The connection, you know, everything is one, the connection of all things. And so what I really say, and I posit in the book, is I'm actually not saying anything new. I'm just applying it to a culture that has forgotten that it's the ancient truth that we need to move forward with. So it seems new, but it's not new. I'm not saying anything that Martin Luther King, it's his, you know, it's his day today, uh, uh, his th- anniversary of his speech. Martin Luther King, essentially his teachings could boil down to, are we brothers and sisters or not? Are we, brothers, are we going to treat each other like family or not? And so far, our culture has been saying no. And, no. and love. And love, yeah, that's what a brother and sister is—someone that you that you meet with love, and and yeah, we we're not seeing it that way. Uh, and by the way, everything that Tom just said in that last response, some of that you'll say, well, I don't know about quantum physics and this and that. You actually have the arguments against everything that you just said in the book. I yeah. mean, that's the fear and truth dialogue, the yeah. arguing of fringe science and all these things. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'll read something in, in a chapter of the book, disagree with it, 
and then I'll see the argument, the debate between fear and truth after the essay. And that's, I think, one of the most fascinating why I wanted to turn every page and learn more. What kind of a person, I kept asking myself as I read this book, I kept asking myself, what kind of person are you, Tom Mm -hmm. Shadiak? How do you deal with, I literally today driving in, this woman wouldn't, wouldn't get out of the fast lane. I wasn't mad at her. I just needed her to do the right thing and move because I needed to get in here to interview you. And I literally thought, would, would how would Tom have handled like road rage? How have <laughs> you? How do you deal with with anger, frustration, loss because of how much wisdom you've learned? Well, first of all, I'm human, so I have my moments. But um, why did you slap my producer when you met him in the face? Why did you do that? Please, that was that was an off camera moment. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, I didn't um, know that was. Uh, I was slapping him five, although I just got his head, it was, which is slapping him one. Fair. <laughs> um, um, you, you know, I, I, I do believe that what we put our attention on, we become. And so every morning I don't put my attention on what I have got to get accomplished today. I put my attention on who I am, meaning through some kind of reading, meditation, journaling, walk in nature. I remind myself that something that I come from that I'm a part of is greater than the story that's happening around me. It's greater than the woman in front of me in traffic who might keep me from being on the air on, on time. I While I'm reading your book, um, I also was reading um, Richard Louv's, uh, uh I think that's how you pronounce his name, The Last Child in the Woods, and um, talking about the way that children are losing their connection to nature uh, with all of you know technology that can now entertain us. Why is it so important uh, to be connected to our environment, to our physical environment, to all other living things. Why is that such a valuable thing to 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 breathe in every day and to and to be mindful of? Well, it reminds us who we are and where we come from. You know, the greatest theory of science is that the Big Bang is what started it all, which is this infinitesimally small point of energy or light. Boom! It explodes in an impossibly profound explosion of energy, we come from that. The stars are created, the galaxies are created, then Earth is created, then biology happens, single cells become multi-cell creatures. And so that's our origin. And also what you connect with, what you fall in love with, you'll not only protect, but you will respect. And because we've been disconnected from nature, we just don't care if we clear that forest, right? I can make money off of that. I just don't care if I throw a little pollution in the ocean, right? We, we've lost touch. That's why the indigenous populations were very connected, had a very different ideology than us. They knew they needed nature. We've become so removed from nature that we no longer think we need it. This is all in Tom Hartman's book, Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight, and Daniel Quinn's work, Ishmael. They talk about the point in human history where we just checked out from nature. And we just said, you know what? I think we can dominate nature. We're not actually a part of it. We can dominate it. There's a profound though, quote I don't have it in front of me, though, in, in the book about what would happen if if uh, all the insects died yeah. versus what would happen if in all 50 the humans years of, If all human beings passed away, all of nature would flourish. If 50 years of all insects passed away, if all insects died, were wiped out, all of nature would perish. And so, uh, Time Magazine just had a cover story about the honeybees and all that, and, and, and there, there's so much truth to them. I don't know why, if, if anybody would even argue with that. Um, the book is Life's Operating Manual with the Fear and Truth Dialogues, and I, I can't suggest it highly enough. Uh, the, uh, talking to Tom Shadiak, a guy who literally was living the quote-unquote American dream, had millions and millions of dollars, and, and very, very successful and very in-demand filmmaker, could name his price, talks all about that in the book, which is very interesting. You had had 
what most Americans, what we've been taught to strive for, you had it. And you had much more than most people's wildest dreams, and you gave it all away. And that's the question everybody asks you. And that's such a difficult thing, concept for people to understand. Yet you you really ed, you really talk about that the, the the teachings of growth and of our economic system. Always, it's always more. Get more. Compete. Win. And I gotta say, from reading your book, I am raising my children so much different. Mm. Than than the way I was raised, than the way, and why is that? How does that make any sense to people? When people, what do people say? It, you know, when you that's really, the nervous coming out. I didn't know what I wanted to ask Tom. I just babbled forever. No, you know, but what do people say is a really actually excellent. You fell into a great question. Thank God. If, yeah, eventually, if you talk to an economist or someone who has fully adopted the economic philosophy, which is most people. Eventually, the conversation ends with harough. Uh, uh, they, they, there's no argument because when you look at nature and you see the economy of nature and you play the logic out of our economy, take all that you can take and you are called a winner. It's not a that's called cancer, right? We know what a cancer is. A cancerous cell absorbs everything it can take, 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 and then it doesn't realize it's killing its the body that hosts it. So that's what our system is based on. You look at the law of supply and demand, they have no, I've done this at Stanford Business School and they got angry at me because there wasn't an answer. I said the law of supply and demand, which is the basis of our economy is not a law, it's a choice. Yeah. So if I have the last glass of water in all of New York, sure the value goes up, but the price doesn't go up. I can choose to share it freely with my brothers and my sisters. The right? greatest example is the one you give in the book, Jonas Salk. Polio vaccine. Yeah, yeah. He gave it away. He said he could have made. Yeah. Who can patent the sun? And the same thing now is happening. My family, uh, 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 my brother runs St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. They give all of their research away to the world for free. They 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 could make money off of it, but can you imagine the ideology behind? I want to make money off of curing cancer in kids. Well, those kids can't afford it in Uruguay, so they don't get the treatment. I mean, that's what, but that's what we do. And again, what Tom just said, all the arguments that you're having right now, they're in the book. Tom makes them as the character uh, played by fear uh, yeah, yeah. in this book. It's, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. Uh, uh, two more quick things. You talk about, when you talk about economics, you talk about the different measurements that we use, GDP, GDP growth, and, and all the different economic uh, measurements that economists use. But you make a, one of the most important points. I've only heard one other person make this, my brother, who is one of my, my mo most inspiring uh, people in my life. We don't measure hard work. There's no metric for hard work. Uh, and you say it in the book, something about there. Uh, you'll never hear someone on CNBC say uh, the uh, hard work ratio went up this this yeah, month yeah. or this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the economic indicator of good intention. Of, <laughs> of, yeah, yeah, of, of, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. We don't do that. We measure only. There's one barometer, and it's growth. And growth, of course, is based on money. How much money has come in? That's why things like cancer are actually good for GDP. Because smoking is war. great for GDP. Yeah, because we got more. We have more sickness. That means right. there's going to be more operation, more medicine, and it's great for GDP, which is a sick barometer. You can feel it that it's sick, and and I think the young the young people are having the courage to question this this whole paradigm, and I think they're going to do it differently. They're finding the power of service through groups like Invisible Children and Free the Slaves. They're finding a power that my generation, uh, uh, you know, is starting to wake up to. Uh you're doing a whole bunch of great interviews here with a bunch of shows. I got to let you go, or I could talk to you for hours and hours. I hope we can keep this conversation appreciate going. Yeah. I really appreciate you joining us. And um, if, if people don't get this book, Life's Operating Manual with the Fear and Truth Dialogues, 
they are really missing out on what I've been talking about has changed my life and created a shift for my family uh, and I think for my audience as well because we've been sharing this t- together. Thank you so much for doing it and thanks so much for uh, for coming in today. Appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Appreciate it, man. Tom Shadiak and uh, he is on Twitter as well. You can tweet him and, and get the book and we will be back uh, after uh, we have some advertisements apparently. America's Next Top Model. Stand up with Pete Dominic. <laughs> 